In the 80s, there were some incredible nightclubs in town. New York City had the China Club. They had the Limelight. It was a church, and they turned it into a nightclub, and the DJ was on the altar. It was so sacrilegious, but it was so fucking cool. And then there was the Copacabana, which was more of a Latin club. And we loved that because we wanted all the Latin girls anyway. We wanted to see all these beautiful Latina women. There was a Palladium, and the Palladium had a Latin night on Tuesday, and my brother and I would attend on Tuesday nights. There was the one on 96th Street, I think it was called Broadway 96. And that was more of a sweatbox kind of place. But it was packed with party people, man. Every weekend it was like, all right, what club are we going to? And from 15, 16 years old until my mid-20s, maybe even longer than that, it was all about which girl we could meet and hook up with. And it was just all we wanted to do. We thought we'd make a, a living out of it somehow. It was really just being in the right place at the right time. Springboarding out into the world. I grew up in the Bronx with my mom. I lived there most of my life. I went to a uh, Catholic high school, kind of a prep school in Manhattan called LaSalle Academy. It was an all boys school. There were a bunch of horny teenage boys in there and our, our biggest existence was a school dance or any girls that we could possibly even meet. We were always visiting our sister schools and you know, just trying to get a date anywhere we could. I had a bunch of really good buddies. It was a fun time in life that school dances were huge and we'd all get together in one of our friend's house and everybody be getting dressed and getting ready because we knew the girls' schools were arriving. That was so much fun as a teenage boy. And we had one pal who went to school with us. His name is Steve. We called him Dickhead Steve, and I'll tell you why. You know, he's part of our crew, you know. There were, you know, five, six, seven of us who always hung together. We had lunch together. We rode the six train home together. And Steve was one of those guys. And he lived right at Columbus Circle, 59th Street. And his dad was the superintendent of this high-rise building right on Central Park South. High-rent kind of place, even for the 80s, you know, when we were kids. So his dad was a super, and they had an apartment in that building because he took care of the place. Lo and behold, that building had a bordello in the basement. It was a high-class whorehouse. Um, I mean, you'd never know. The building is still there. It's still beautiful. It's still doorman, you know, good morning, sir, kind of building. But at that time, there was this place in the basement that catered to the corporate people in that area. So the idea was you're at your office, you take a long lunch, you go down to this place, you can have sex, you can have a massage. They had a, 
a bar and a dance floor. They had private rooms with water beds. There was a jacuzzi. There was a steam room. It was quite a place. So it was closed on weekends. They, they were only there during the week when the corporate crowd could kind of zip in and zip out. It was that kind of business. So on the weekends, it was closed. So my buddy Steve, his dad had the keys to the whole place. So he knew there was nothing going on down there and he had explored down there before. So he decided to have a party down there with all of us, his friends. I remember I was 16 and, and it was like a Friday night and Steve calls and he's like, I'm having a party. And his parents would go away for the weekends. So we had had a couple of parties in his apartment in that building prior to that. And at that time, I wasn't really drinking too much, uh, but I was already a pretty avid pot smoker. And we would take a drug called mescaline, which was like a smaller dose of acid. And that shit would make you trip out, man. I was in my apartment once by myself. My mom was at work. I was home from school and I had some. And I remember seeing this eagle pass through my apartment. And then I would look over to the left and it would start again and pass. I must have watched him pass like 40 times. It was a full on hallucinogenic drug. And we were into it. Me and my buddies, for whatever reason, we would uh, take this shit. So Steve says, I'm having a party. He's like, this is not my normal party. This is going to be a big one. You need to come. I remember at one point, all of my school pals had already arrived down there. And they're calling me they're like, Eric, why aren't you here? Get your ass over here, right? It was like 10 o'clock on a Friday. I'm like, man, I don't want to take the train. And my buddy's like, take a taxi. I'll pay. Just get over here. So... My dad had already left the picture. It was just me and my mom. Now walking to my mother's room and I say, I want to go to this party. And she's like, hell no. You're not going anywhere. Forget about it. So I'm like, damn it. What am I going to do? I'm stuck. But I really want to go. All my friends are there. It's supposed to be the biggest party of the year. I don't know what's going on, but I know it's huge. I got to go. I get ready to leave, right? I'm starting to put on my clothes and fix my hair. I call the cab. I'm walking towards the door. My mom's hip to the fact that I'm leaving. And she comes out of the room and she goes, if you leave this house, when you come back, all your shit is going to be packed and outside the front door. So think about that. And I fucking left. I I went to this Mondo fucking party. So I get down there, and I remember the first thing I told my boys was like, this shit better be fucking epic, because I just got thrown out of my house for this party. They're like, Eric, don't worry. You will not be disappointed. They were like, but you got to fucking play along with us, right? We got a surprise for you. They took me down to the basement, right? And this is just a regular ugly ass basement. And they're like, Eric, you got to take off your clothes. And I'm like, what? what the fuck? They're like, dude, take off your fucking clothes. So I take off my clothes and they give me like a, a 
pair of shorts. I'm like, put these on. I'm like, all right. I put on the shorts. They're like, close your eyes. We're going to walk you into another part of this basement. So they're holding my eyes and they're walking me. And I hear this creaky door open. And the minute it opened, I smelled chlorine. And then right at that moment, six hands pushed me. And I fell into a pool. And I come up out of the water. And I'm in like a fucking discotheque, man. It's like incredible. Like there's sofas and there's one of those Saturday Night Fever dance floors that lights up. I come up, my boy's behind the bar. He's like, E, what you drinking? And then everybody's like, yeah. And I'm jumping in the pool and I'm like, what the fuck is this place? So we end up hanging out in there, just doing whatever. I think we were, we were probably taking mescaline. We were probably smoking pot. We were drinking any booze that we found and we were hanging out all night. You know, we were still kids. I think we played Roundup at one point. And we spent the whole night there. And it was great because, like, when we got tired, we just went into these separate rooms. And then we were so stoned, too, off of the hallucinogens that half of the time we were just, like, giggling and laughing and bugging out and, like, oh, like, where's my brother? And I'd, I'd go look for my brother and he'd be in, like, this hot tub playing the Scarface role. You know, who put this thing together? Me. And I'm like, oh, shit. And then my other buddies are like, yo, they got a fucking steam room, dude. We're going in there. And, and then the other rooms just had water beds. And right? it was so great. We spent the entire night there. And then the next day, we just split. And now I'm thinking, oh, shit, I got to go home now. I'm, I might not have a home. So I, I take the train back to the Bronx. <laughs> I take I take the subway back to the Bronx and I'm like dreading it. I'm like, oh man, my troubles may have just begun. And I get home and I go to my front door and none of my shit is outside. And I get in and my mom's not home. And I'm alone. And my stuff is all where it normally is. And I'm like, whew. And then the phone rings and it's my mother that instinct man it's a parent you just know she's like hey and I'm like hey and she's like you're home and I'm like yeah yeah I'm home and and she didn't give me any flack she just said all right I'm glad you're home I'll be home later I love you bye that was it no repercussions so anyway the place was so epic of course we didn't let anybody else in on it you know, it was just me and my team. This was our thing. So we're like planning the next party, right? We're just trying to get Steve on board to do something else. And we're like, you know, it was great, but, you know, we got to invite some girls to this place. I worked as a supermarket delivery boy at the time. And this pretty girl would come and buy groceries. And I was so in love with her. She was so beautiful. I remember I was 16 years old, and she was 21 years old. Here's this happy-go-lucky delivery boy. I would always be like, can I deliver your groceries? 
she would be like, sure. And then and like she'd come for like uh, half a gallon of milk and I'd be like, I'll take that for you. And I'd walk her home. And so the romance ensued. So anyway, I brought her to the next time we went to the bordello place, right? And a couple of my friends brought two or three other girls. So now there's six or seven of us, but there's like four or five girls too. And we're all swimming and having a pool party. We did that a couple of times. So then Steve decides he wants to throw another party in the basement. But this one was gonna be more of a dance party and he didn't want it to be in the bordello space. He had hooked up this other part of this dingy basement to look like a nightclub and he had DJ set up there, we had lights. So this was supposed to be like a different deal. We're like, oh, this is gonna be so good. No one shows up, no one. And we're all thinking, you know, man, we should have thrown it in the fucking bordello. It's so much nicer in there. And let's go in there now, because this party sucks. But Steve said, no, we can't go in there anymore. Fucking dickhead Steve, man. Not letting us party in the best party place in the fucking city that only we know about. He was so mad that his party didn't turn out the way he wanted it to that he forbade us from going to the bordello. He got all pissed off and fucking packed up his DJ shit, went up to his apartment and left us there in the basement. Like, fuck you guys. Like, my party sucks and it's your fault and fuck you guys. So we were like, yeah, isn't that fucking beat all? So we decide we're gonna break into the bordello. We don't have a key, but we could probably pick the lock. Sure enough, we did. We went in there without him. And the five or six of us spent the night in there again. So this time, we weren't really partying. It was already late. I think we just went in there and we slept. And we got up the next morning and we decided, hmm, let's snoop around this place a little bit. And, and there was an area that had lockers where the women would change clothes or whatever. And the place had like disco balls and all kinds of crazy shit. We started robbing the place. We grabbed a garbage bag and we took as much shit as we could. We fucking went through the lockers. We took like, I don't know, a couple of fancy desktop phones. I took the disco ball off the chain, put it in that plastic bag, dude. It was definitely wrong of us to rob the place, but I don't know. It was the instinct that we had. We were probably mad at Dickhead Steve for not letting us party. We were like, fuck it, we're just gonna take this shit that we like in here. And we fucking walked out of this building with a couple of garbage bags full of stuff just right out the front door, right past the doorman. Got in the elevator, ding, ding, and then fucking walked out. And I'll never forget, we went to the diner and had breakfast with our garbage bags full of stolen bordello crap. And I went home and we divvied it up and I ended up with the disco ball and the disco ball hung in my bedroom for two years to come. I had my turntable set up in there. I was like, oh, we got our own fucking disco. So hence the term dickhead Steve. We called him that because he stopped us from partying in our favorite place. Looking back, we did so many kind of wild, spontaneous things that I'm 
pretty lucky I didn't get myself into some real trouble along the way. You know, you think about it now, it's like, shit, man, that could have gone way wrong. Grew up into a, you know, responsible husband, responsible father. My wife is an amazing person, and I just want to be with her. I've sown my oats. <laughs> I don't feel the need to go and be that person anymore. Plus, I'm 50. I'm too fucking tired. You know, I, I got to go to work and then I got to come home and I raised two kids already. I'm done with all the shenanigans. I'm too tired to do all that anymore. I just I don't have the energy. I looked out. I, you know, made it through. So it was good. 